Hey folks, welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Erin. And we are the Ingolds. We are the founders of Metanoia Catholic, and we are here to talk coaching in the Catholic world. Yes, where we teach people how to become students of their interior life, and we also train and coach other Catholic coaches. So we're excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Folks, welcome back. Hi. We're going to get into emotions today. Whenever I think about this topic, I always think of the old Saturday Night Live character, Stuart Smalley. Do you guys remember him? Came, it was like a couple of couple episodes he came out where he was like, he was like the, the, this life coach, but he was just as messed up as everybody he's trying to coach. And, Which and is usually like, the case for life coaches, just so you guys know. Yeah. We do not Peek have it figured the out. Um, <laughs> just to tell you a quick story about this morning. I we're okay. We're gonna be talking about emotions today. Literally, the moment I woke up this morning, I've been battling feeling my emotions. Like it just battling. Not, I just don't want to allow it. So, like, like give give a little bit of a context. Like, we went to bed. We had planned out our week. Like, we put time for the first time in a long time. Really, like planning out our our week and everything. Yes. And this was all like hinging upon Aaron waking up at like, I don't know, what time did you plan on waking up this morning? 5.30. Okay, 5.30. So my alarm got went off at 5.30. And the loving husband I am, I said, oh, she needs to sleep a little bit longer. Well, I got into my routine. And next thing you know, it was like 7.15, about 15 minutes after she planned on leaving the house. Yes. And uh, I said, uh, honey... Honey, honey, I sheepishly went in and woke her up, and uh, it was like poking a bear at the end of hibernation. It was like, oh no. But yeah, it was. It I was will tell you, yeah, I, and I normally like I do just naturally wake up now around like six thirty at least if I am sleeping in, but this but one was not uh, the case. I mean, it's so like. I don't know if you guys can hear a little bit. Like it's really raining hard right now. Yeah, and it's, it's just, just a like, depressing day. It's this like. Uh, that's a circumstance. Okay. That's a circumstance. My circumstance alarm just went off. But it's, it is one of those days where I like in these circumstances to sleep in and take big naps, but, mm-hmm. uh, just, just not happening. But thank goodness our two-year-old is taking a nap right now because that certainly has been another part of the circumstances this morning <laughs> that have led to the emotional, ugh, that we're getting into. Yes. But these emotions that we spend a lot of energy resisting and avoiding, yep. they're actually a big part of what we do about at, at Metanoia Catholic. And, and as Catholics, I think we've discarded these things and kind of kicked them to the curb. Mm-hmm. And we have these false beliefs that like, yes, we don't need them. There's no use for them. It's uh, pervasive. It's, I've, I've, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of, I guess, I don't know, lack of knowledge around emotions. And not saying that we know all of it by any means but because of this is what we do we work with people we work with their thoughts and we work with their emotions and we kind of teach them how to not be afraid of allowing emotions and to not be resistant because when we're resistant to our emotions and we are resistant to processing them with God okay because that's the different thing that we do here we get into a lot of trouble when we resist processing them or feeling them. We start doing other activities that have just a net negative yeah. 
like there's we, we buffer there's, we eat our feelings we yes. you know we work out excessively we spend late hours at the office we um, immerse ourselves in social media or in our mm-hmm. kids or in somebody else's life uh, because you know deep down inside we're just trying to avoid feeling a certain emotion yes like, guys those things are so well important and here. that's that's a powerful distinction what you just said there because the word buffer and then you named some actions. Okay. Right? Explaining how we buffer sometimes. It depends. Playing with your kids isn't always a buffering activity. Nor working late. Nor working nor late. Nor eating a delicious meal. Right. So it's when you ask yourself, am I avoiding something? Am mm-hmm. I avoiding feeling something? Mm-hmm. And you are doing an action. So go back to the model from episode 12, where we explain the model that we use here at Metanoia Catholic. And after an emotion comes an activity of some sort. Mm -hmm. When we are trying to avoid a certain, and I'm doing air quotes here, unpleasant emotion, we end up, we go pleasure seeking. In some cases, it is overworking. In some cases, it's cleaning. I know people who buffer with cleaning all the time. I wish that was my buffer. Me it, too. It is not. My buffer is television, eating, and drinking. <laughs> Those are my three go-tos. Well, yeah, I I find that you know, as as a person that is like I I often I often buffer when I feel out of control of something, and so I go to those things where it's like I know I can exercise control. So I go to cleaning the house or washing the dishes or avoiding my two-year-old, which I like have zero control over like let's face it folks like if you got kids you got two-year-olds mm, yeah they're, it's a good thing they're the cute that's what we're saying it it's is. a good thing they're pretty cute and ours is adorable especially when she sleeps <laughs> yes she's so much so beautiful right Abla, now you listen to this year so now we love you you're a favorite so you changed our life for the good so really i you know we could probably do an entire episode on buffering which i kind of think we should but We wanted to clarify that. And what we wanted to do today is actually put to bed some misconceptions about emotions Mm -hmm. and living the Catholic life, okay? Mm -hmm. I think often we hear we don't want to lead with our emotions. We don't want to be emotional. We don't want to be triggered, right? We don't want to give in our prayer life to emotionalism. Yes. Yes. Which is a seeking emotional high right. in the right. form of prayer. And in a lot of cases, those are all true, right? We don't want to lead with our emotions. We want to pass our emotions through reason. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to put to bed some of these misconceptions. So the, the first one that I've heard, or straight up adults who come to me for coaching do not know these things. So that's... It's not even just what I've heard out there. It's what I've heard in session. Mm -hmm. And I believed these things before I started doing this research. And we're going to counter this with our catechism. Ah. So if you guys have a catechism, go and look up 1762. Please open your catechisms. Yes. Section 1762. Article Article 5. And it's called The Morality of Passions. So passions is a term, pretty much just emotions or feelings, okay? Mm -hmm. So we're going to simplify what that term is. 
the first one that I hear people say is emotion. This is the misconception, the first misconception, in case you guys aren't following me. My brain is all over the place. I think you're doing really well, babe. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so the first misconception is emotions come from nowhere. Folks, like, this isn't just, like, we hear this from, like, other presenters, and, and th this is like a pervasive thought that's out there. And I think that there's, I I think that there is new research that's showing even on a neurological level that yeah. this just isn't the case. And it's still pretty new and it's starting to like make its way. Quite frankly, we, we found that the self-development world, the secular self-development world has stumbled on this first and is really incorporating this into a well, lot of their a lot of their strategies and it's really well okay maybe not first because they haven't stumbled on it first well yeah, yeah i mean we looked at we find evidence of this i was just reading something actually this morning from the church the desert fathers yeah. where they're talking about right. the battlefield being on the plane of thought and, and it's right like in so, our catechism but we lose stuff and we need to kind of bring stuff out of the yeah you know the wine cellar the old and the new and i don't know i'm probably not quoting that scripture anyways go ahead babe so the passions, this is what the catechism says. It says 1764. The passions are natural components, which means our bodily components of the human psyche. And this goes with what Dr. Caroline Leaf always says is the, the emotions and our thoughts are so interconnected. You got it. Yes, they are so intimately entwined, she says. Mm -hmm. So we know that our emotions come from our intellect and our will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Later on, in like a little bit down, further down in the catechism, in 1767, it says, passions are said to be voluntary, either because they are commanded by the will... Mm -hmm. or because the will does not place an obstacle in their way. Myth busted, folks. You've heard it right from the catechism. What was that section again? 1767 and then 1764. Passions are natural components of the human psyche. They form the passageway and ensure the connection between the life of the senses, our bodies, right, where mm -hmm. we actually feel our emotions, mm -hmm. And the life of the mind. Beautiful. That's our catechism. They don't come from nowhere. They come from our thoughts. They come from our beliefs and what we choose and our will. Mm -hmm. And this is why we're Jesse Romero. We were having, we did interviewing with him uh, earlier this year, and and he was just going nuts with you, babe. Where he was just like, yeah, that's right. Like I've been telling everybody, it's the bat, like the battlefield, the spiritual battlefield is the mind. It takes place in the mind specifically with the thoughts that we not just think, but the thoughts that we choose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kicks off an emotional pipeline. Folks, we've said it before, we're going to say it again. And just on a neurological level, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a cognitive behavioral therapist, she's an evangelical Christian as well. She's, she's a, a neuroscientist. neuroscientist as well. Yes. And so we've done a lot, uh, quite a bit of research through her. You can find her stuff on YouTube. It's awesome. Uh, she's also got a book called Switch on Your Brain, which gives you a lot of the insights that we're sharing with you here. Um, but she has, she's actually been able to read and see and measure these things that she calls molecules of emotion that are actually attached and released 
by the firing of our synaptic connections in our brain. So when you think a thought, you've got these synaptic connections. Picture like... It's like a, electricity. Yeah, picture yeah. just like uh, like wiring, all right? So you've got a neuron that's like a little hub and it has all of these little strands that are hanging off it. Those are synapses, right? Those things fire and it has a little spark of electricity. Well, what happens when we think that thought, that thought fires, that synaptic connection fires, and it releases these different chemical messengers into our body. Uh, neuropeptides, neurotransmitters, hormones, things like that. I'm sure we're familiar with hormones. But as these chemicals start to actually move throughout our body, and it happens instantly, microseconds here, folks, we actually experience a literal physical chemical change in our body. When we become consciously aware of this chemical change in our body, we call that an emotion. So where's that emotion coming from? It's coming from those chemical messengers. Where are they being released from? They're being released from the firing of the synaptic connection. Where is that firing of that synaptic connection coming from? It's coming from the thought that we think. And this is incredible, folks. This is the non-particle, the immaterial that is becoming, the invisible that is becoming visible in and through our bodies. This is the theology of the body. And it's nuts here, folks. Absolutely incredible the way that modern science is starting to reveal what we already know in scripture that we've become transformed literally transformed by the renewing of our mind so when we have that thought and that molecule of emotion is released through our bodies sometimes there's hormones released sometimes there's i don't know you know more of the science matt i know a little bit more so it's like the neurotransmitters neuropeptides that's Mm -hmm. uh oh gosh what's his name dr uh who's the other guy that's got the um, I don't know. I can't remember his name right now. It's another neuroscientist. Scientist is pretty awesome. Um, but but you, you feel them as sensations in your body. Yes. Okay. Yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas knew this. Our church has known this for a very long time. But they come from our thoughts and they come from our choices. Yeah. And this is why, folks, I kind of draw an example from, I was, I was listening to a talk by Matt Frad in his Strive series, which I know Covenant Eyes uh uh, sponsors that and puts that out. Um, but one of the things, and Strive is a, is a series for, a, I think it's a 28-day course for um, men that are struggling with pornography. I think women as well, but predominantly men that are struggling with pornography. One of the things that he says is that when you first have that inclination towards lust, it's when you start to entertain that thought that it's almost like a domino effect. Once you choose to entertain the thought, It gets very, very, very difficult to resist at that point. Well, why does it get very difficult to resist? Well, as soon as we choose with our will that thought and fire that synaptic connection and release those molecules of emotion, it starts mobilizing our our bodies at that point and changing the chemical state of our bodies to a certain direction, in this case, towards indulging the Mm. lust. And so you're actually manifesting the thought. Your body is making invisible or making visible the invisible reality of your lust at this point. It's changing you. And so to resist that is like, guys, it's, it's, like, it's like driving with the parking brake on at that point. And eventually it's just, it just wears you out. But those people that can discipline themselves to capture that thought in the beginning and, and choose not to entertain it, even for a second, can actually change the course of their body actually being transformed where it's, it's going to be uncomfortable until it conforms itself to what it's being changed to. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And this actually supports the next misconception, which I hear a lot, is kind of like emotions should be ignored or emotions are pointless. Like, well, what's kind of the point of them? Yeah, and how's that says, working for y'all? 
And it says in the catechism, it says right here, it says the emotions, it's 1763 in the catechism, it says the emotions incline us to act or not act in regard to something felt or imagined to be good or evil. So the point of our emotions is to put us into action towards good or away from evil. Mm. That's, that's actually the point of them. Yeah, not only put us in action towards it, but like think of the way that it's actually changing your body, all right? It's changing the chemical state of your body, and your body wants to rest in that new good that it perceives, right? That it wants to move towards. So your body's actually being open through your emotions to be able to receive the perceived good mm-hmm. that you're pursuing at this point. So two things about on that is, first, we need to know what the good is. Mm. Yes. Aaron and, spoke earlier about the intellect and the will. Yes. We make those distinctions because that's the purpose of the intellect. It's to know the good and the will is to... Choose the good. Choose the good. Yeah. So, and the intellect informs the will. So the will can't choose the good if only bad options are being, right? Like if, if it's like, this is not good and this is not good. And yeah. there's like no actual better option there's this whole like 12 step dance that aquinas goes through where it's like we're not going to get into it right now but just like what's helpful is like i like this looking at and it's not perfect analogy but i look looking at the intellect as one person and the will as the person that is like ultimately the one that's the leader i I think and just like presenting the will can't choose what the intellect never presents think of a courtroom okay the intellect is the lawyer that's presenting the case and the will is the jury Got it. I right. love that's such a great analogy. I baby. know that was so smart. It was really, really good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you definitely came up with Once it yourself. Again. Thank okay. you, Jesus. Grace, grace, so, grace. So, okay. So the point of emotions is to move towards good and away from evil. To move us, to incline us, to actually put us into action. This goes back to the model, mm-hmm. everyone. Right? Because the emotion comes before what we do or what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Now, in the case when we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about buffering, a lot of times when we aren't aware of the emotion that we are feeling, but we know it, it may not feel great, right? Disappointment, for instance. That's mm-hmm. what I was feeling this morning. I was moving away from it. I was trying to avoid it. I was trying to avoid the disappointment but I couldn't put words to it yet. And so I was, it was manifesting all different, all different like um, actions that I was doing or inactions. Can and you I give was, an example of an action that you were doing? Yeah, I was short. My temper was very short with Avila. Things that I like want to go to confession for, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was like I was having all of these thoughts about myself and judging others. And it was like just this domino effect and I was just trying to avoid this disappointment if I had just known if I had just stopped and said I feel disappointed and brought that to the Lord there were a lot of actions that I wouldn't have done a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have to go to confession for now just fine every time we go to confession we get sacramental grace to not do it again but Mm. Praise God. There was just a lot of resistance. And I always feel like I'm at war when I'm at war with my emotions, when I'm trying to resist them. Like I feel exhausted at the end of the day. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like that's how I feel when I'm resisting them. So this is really important to know. 
also another um another misconception which i kind of just insinuated towards but it's to kind of to avoid your emotions to not give your emotions we, we think when we avoid them we're not giving them power and in fact what i want to tell you is we're actually giving them more power when we are deliberately not becoming aware of them mm. it's like holding a beach ball a beach ball underwater it's not there can't see it's it. It's not there. It always comes back with a vengeance and comes shooting through. And exhaust you too. Have you ever actually tried to hold a beach ball under the water? I don't know. I think it would be a fun game, but I, I don't think I'd want to do it on a daily basis. Have the advantage in that one. Yes. So, so another misconception is to avoid your emotions. I am not saying indulge when I say that either. Let me be perfectly clear. When you become aware of what you are feeling, there is freedom and you gain a little bit more control over what's going on here. Which is typically the reason why people resist feeling it is because they think that when they allow themselves to feel it, they will lose control. Another misconception. Yeah. Did I skip ahead? No. This is yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean... it. So like that's this is when you hear a saying like hashtag triggered like mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about that triggered culture is the culture that we see out there where it's just like okay we feel something we're not responsible for this emotion and this emotion is moving me to do this whatever it is and it doesn't matter who it's harming how destructive it might be to my life or to somebody else's. It's usually really dumb. Things. I'm out of control, <laughs> right? And so like I need to be like ah I, I need to kind of. I have license to just kind of lose my mind at this point mm-hmm. and throw a tantrum um, or harm other people. That's n- there's no emotional responsibility uh, in that certainly, but that's just a really like that's a two year old way of acting, right? It's the toddler brain. Toddler we, brain. We know a lot about that. Yes, we do. So Matt, okay. So why do you think it's important for you to acknowledge your emotion at least? Because that emotion is telling you something. Like yes. there is a there is a you know, we, we know it, it so if if I thought emotions just came out of nowhere, then yeah, I would just like and there's no use for them. Then, I would ignore them. Yeah, I would want to ignore them or just be like, okay, this one's bad and like so I'm not gonna feel this one. But now that I know that they come from someplace, not just any place, but, but a, by a thought that I choose, now I can look at my emotions, and I don't always like to do this sometimes, but I can take responsibility for them. And I can be like, okay, this is something that is a product of a choice that I have made, a disposition, or perhaps a disposition that I have by continuous choices again and again and again over time, that, um, but but that also means that like there is power to change. Like I can use my will differently. And mm-hmm. when I say I can choose, I can use my will differently. Folks, this isn't devoid of God's grace. We always need God's grace to choose the good. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. Uh, but sometimes God can intervene and and even like infuse us with the knowledge of what that good is mm-hmm. through infused grace so that we can really present that greater good that perhaps we didn't perceive earlier. Yes. And actually present that to the will so the will can do its job of choosing not just the good, but the supreme good. Yes. Um, we got a catechism reference? Yeah. No. Okay, so here's, here's two. 
1767, it's the last quote, but it says, It belongs to perfection of the moral or human good that the passions be governed by reason. So they have to pass through reason. Mm -hmm. But then it says, in 1769, it says, um, In Christ... Human feelings are able to reach their consummation in charity and divine beatitude, which is the good, which is the ultimate good that we're all reaching after. So so they are able to get there. And this is what I always um, coach other people with and coach myself with. And I remind myself and my clients, God created emotions. He did. He created them and they were good. And there's always a redemption of them. He can purify them. We need to know what we're feeling. We need to become aware of what we're feeling so that we can bring them to him. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that he can redeem them in us. So ignoring them in this case does not help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reinforces them and it doesn't like in a a negative sort of sense. Mm -hmm. I, I think an important piece here with that that's necessary for this level of analysis is to also give yourself a little bit of separation from the emotions and have them be something that you have versus something that has you. I think a lot of the time, especially if you've, if you've not really been exercising emotional responsibility, there's a tendency to believe that you are your emotions to actually identify with your emotions identify with your passions. I'm an angry person. I am a vengeful person. I am a sad, a depressed person. And we got to be very careful using those I am statements. It's very important what happens mm. after that, that, that I am. Um, but what happens is, is if we are too attached to those things, like they're actually, we've, we've identified with them, then, then kind of going down this path of, of emotional responsibility can be kind of almost like perceived as a threat to our identity yeah. or to our own ego, right. how we understand we are who we are right now. Um, and if you're in a place like that, like know that God wants to set you free. And that's a perfect thing to pray for right now. And it's not white knuckling your way to emotional redemption. You don't have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. That is God's grace that is going to carry you forth from there. Um, certainly go to the sacraments and things like that. And start to make commitments where it's a little bit easier for you, right? Maybe there's certain areas where, like, you're really holding on to the anger, you're holding on to the depression. Uh, but maybe there's other areas where it's a little bit easier. Like, it's not like the stronghold where the emotion is connected to your identity. And that might be a better place to start exercising a little bit of emotional responsibility, more self-control, and yeah. You know, and I think and just curious changing your words. So instead of being like, "I am a sad person." Just when you notice you are feeling sad, to say, I notice I'm I'm feeling the emotion of sadness. Yeah. It there's it just puts some distance between you and the emotion. And it actually puts gives puts you back into a place of authority. Yes. By natural law over what you are experiencing in your body. Yeah. Yep. So um there's that and I and one thing else that you just said too, which there was something about I don't know sorry lost it guys anyway if you're anything like me it was brilliant though it was what I said 
It was so brilliant. And maybe that was it was just an awe of the brilliance of it. It happens oftentimes. <laughs> it's, that's what happens when you're married. So, to so this anyway, guy. if you're anything like me and you're an adult and maybe you were never taught to just acknowledge your emotions and say out loud, I noticed that, or you don't have to say it out loud. Otherwise, you're, you might be like a crazy person. <laughs> just say it maybe under your breath and say, I noticed that I'm feeling the emotion of anger or sadness. So if you're starting to become aware of that, it might be in the beginning, you might be, you might feel like kind of illiterate in this. You might be like, I just notice I feel bad or good or like there, you might not have a lot of vocab, like emotional vocabulary. That's okay. I blame, I completely blame society for not teaching us how to do this. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of the movie Signs or the scene with, with Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix where they're like chasing what they believe to be like these kids that are just causing all this mischief at our house. And, and like Mel Gibson's character is just not really an emotionally aware person. In fact, mm -hmm. he stuffs a whole lot. And he's like running around the house and he's supposed to be very angry. And he's just like, I am overwhelmed with anger. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am talking crazy right now. <laughs> yeah. Be like Mel Gibson in Signs. Yeah. It's a good way to start. Yeah. I mean, just but... start connecting to that. Yeah. Yep. I yep. remember when I was first doing this stuff and I, I noticed... I really hated the emotion of sadness. I like, I avoided it. I just, I did not like feeling it. Mm. And um, I would avoid it at all costs. Like, I remember watching that movie, My Girl. Do you guys remember that movie from the early 90s where, what's his name? Her friend dies of the bee yeah, sting. Yeah, it's the saddest movie ever. It is. And I remember just like bawling my eyes out and, ne and like vowing to never watch it again. And and then Titanic, I watched that once, and I, like, cried my eyes out. I was 14, though. Like, now I'd probably be like, okay, there's totally room on that door or whatever you're on, Rose. <laughs> Move over. I would have been, a, like, a lot more cynical as an adult, I think. But first time I watched it, I cried a ton, and the I was like, I never want to feel heart. sad yes. again. Yes. But then... When I was like allowing emotions, like just starting to like feel them again and be become more in tune with which what was with what was happening in my life, because um, I was buffering a ton and I didn't want to do that anymore. I started watching um, what was that show? Uh, the what? the Who's one? In it? No, it's the British show with The Office. No. Obviously not The Office. The Office makes me laugh. Oh, the, oh, 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 uh, Downton Abbey? No, the other one. That's that's an emotionally constipated show. Yes. Um, so frustrating oh, to oh, watch. Oh, Call the Midwife. Yes, Call the Midwife. Oh my gosh. Every episode, I was like bawling my eyes out. But it was good. There was such a release there. I was like, I was happy to be like not afraid of watching sad things anymore. You know, you know what my go-to is? What? My go-to release. I, I YouTube the last six minutes of Field of Dreams. Yeah, you're like tearing up right now already. Oh my gosh. That is a special, special, special yeah. film there. Yeah. You want to have a catch? Oh. <laughs> I like that. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, that that's just like, that's the father and the son. That's that's the, the exchange. That's a beatific vision foreshadowing that's there. Anyways, we'll save that for another episode. Well, but that I think, is, but that's like, that's actually a different emotion. 
than sadness. What? And so is actually watching Call the Midwife. It was more touching. There were some scenes that were sad, mm-hmm. but it was more of a touching, like, and I was crying from that. And I, I, uh, I, I noticed because I was stuffing so many of my emotions that I couldn't even like allow myself to be touched by beautiful scenes. Mm. Like when, when we anesthetize ourselves in one area, we do it in all of the areas. Mm-hmm. So like I was, I was saying to myself, these are really unpleasant emotions, sadness, disappointment, fear. And so I'm going to numb myself by doing these actions, these buffering actions, right? Yeah. But what was happening was I couldn't experience joy. I couldn't experience like touching scenes in movies. I, I, it was all numbed. Yeah, this is all in and out. No, that's a burger stand. Inside out. Oh, have you guys Inside ever seen out. that movie? It's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but that's a whole like that girl's just buffering with with joy, and and finally gets to the point where she's not able to feel. You can't anything. buffer with an emotion. We'll get into that in another episode. Okay, I haven't really done my homework on inside yes. out. So you buffer with actions. You buffer with behaviors. Got it. Yeah. You can try to switch your emotions, which a lot of people do, but they usually do it by changing their behaviors. There's another piece. Can we talk about stoicism now? Yes, please. I, I, this is an, we, we've actually done a podcast on this in the past. And it was kind of exploring the crossovers between Stoicism and Christianity. And we we're actually talking about something that what Brandon um, from Word on Fire. Vought. Brandon Vought and, and uh, Bishop Barron had, had uh, shared on, on Word on Fire. Um, so we're seeing a bit of a rise in Stoicism. And really what is Stoicism? Um, it's, I don't know, like... How would you characterize it? I don't know. This is your topic. Okay, it's more... Go it's, back and listen to our podcast. Yeah, but it. it's there's, it's a philosophy in, in short where it's like you can... Um, it's just like avoiding your emotions. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's it's a saying bit broad strokes. The morally but it's like, upright person doesn't feel anything. Yeah, you're just much. you're just above it. You're unaffected by the world. Like it's the, the analogy I've heard is how do you... How do you make it so that you're always walking on carpet? Well, you can either carpet the entire world or you can just put carpet on your, the soles of your yeah. shoes. And so stoicism is like, I'm going to put carpet on the soles of my shoes. I'm going to be above. I'm going to have this thing that actually makes it so that I'm above and I'm not affected by anything that, that is going on in the mm-hmm. world. But that's just not how we operate here, folks. It's not Christian. Either. It's not Christian and it's not, it's not authentic. It's not even, it's, it's very Gnostic, quite frankly. It's not, it's not integrated with how we are as, as incarnate spirits, uh, as human beings that have a body, that have these emotions. Mm-hmm. Because these emotions, folks, have have a purpose, is what we've been getting yes. at. And the Stoic never really, the Stoic actually misses out on opportunities to grow because they're not being curious about the emotions that are arising in them in certain circumstances that God is permitting to arise in them to reveal something deeper about who he is and who we are and where we are in our journey, mm-hmm. where we have opportunities to grow in virtue or pray for grace or stuff like that. That's a really good point because it actually says in the catechism here, 1767, it starts, that paragraph says, in themselves, passions are neither good nor evil. It's basically where they lead us. Like what actions we take out of them mm-hmm. 
is what determines them as good or evil. And that's why it's so helpful to do these models. Right, Matt? Mm -hmm. Like when we're going through a model, it's like, I'm angry. Well, sometimes anger could lead you to actually just act. Mm -hmm. Right? And then sometimes you just become a big old jerk. So it's big old jerk. It's not like the the emotion itself is morally compromised, mm-hmm. but it's actually where it's leading you, mm-hmm. where you're going with it. That's why it's so powerful to become aware and to do these models. Once again, go back to episode twelve. And I think that's important there too, Aaron. Is is that what quoting Catechism two thousand and five again, where where it says that that um. Grace, it's talking about grace. Grace is not something that we can sense in our bodies, meaning it's not necessarily an emotion. It's not something we can see in our actions. We can, you can, it's not like one type of action, giving to the poor, is, is always motivated by grace. It's, it's, it's not, right? It's, mm-hmm. See, it's like, it looks like it is on the outside, but sometimes that can be motivated by... Vanity. Vanity, right? Yeah. I want to I look good in front of other people. But we, by the fruits, you will know them. And so when we're saying, like, if an emotion is coming from a good or a bad place, really what we mean by that, another way of saying it, is, is that emotion inspired by a word that is, God's, that is coming from God's grace or not from God's grace, mm-hmm. right? So God speaks the word into our hearts. And we know and that, that word becomes flesh. And we know that through the results or the fruit that yes, we get at the, the end fruits. of it. Yes, the fruits. Yes. Yes. So by here's the fruits, an, you will know them. Another piece... Going off of what you're talking about with Stoicism, um, from the Catechism, it says, 17, in 1768, it says, Strong feelings are not decisive for the morality or the holiness of the person. We know a lot of saints who are very passionate people. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. they did not run from their passions. But it says, They're simply the inexhaustible reservoir of images and affections in which the moral life is expressed. And it says, and it goes back to what we just covered, but it says passions are morally good when they contribute to a good action and evil in the opposite case. But it says nothing about the person, right? So it's, it's saying strong feelings are not decisive for the morality or holiness of the person. Who's, who's the one that wrote True Devotion to Mary? St. Louis de Montfort. Yeah, Louis de Montfort. He was known as like the, just like, he was known for his his stomach, I guess, like his actions. He was just very mm-hmm. fiery. I mean, didn't uh, like St. Nicholas like punch heretics in the face too? Mm, I don't know about that one. I know, I heard, I heard a story though where Louis de Montfort actually, <laughs> actually uh, in the middle of a sermon, like went across the street and to the bar and like dragged a bunch of people's people into church or something like that. Or it might have been the opposite where I actually mm-hmm. punched people. In, I don't know if you punch people in the face. But like this was a guy that was a saint, but he's known for his passion. Yeah. And passionate. there's a lot of them out there. I mean, St. Paul too, you can say. It was very passionate, St. Paul. Yeah. yeah. Zealous. Yeah. And the um, the catechism also says that emotions can be elevated or elevated by virtue or perverted by vices Mm -hmm. so so they are neither good nor bad they are neutral right but it's what we do or don't do what we avoid doing that come out of it and if it's whether or not it's moving us and inclining us closer to the ultimate good which is the beatific vision 
mm-hmm. which is a life of grace and virtue and closeness to God, or further away from him. Mm-hmm. So a great question to ask yourself is, what is this emotion driving me to do? If you actually allow them, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I think another thing that people are afraid of is that they'll, they will take over their body. Like emotions will take over. And I think this actually comes from probably since the last time, the last time they allowed an emotion to happen, they were probably like 11 and didn't have the means in which to process an emotion. Yeah. Like I think of, I think of even uh, PTSD during World War I was known as hysteria, mm-hmm. which they took that term, ladies, you'll love this one. From like hysteria, hysterectomy, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it was where they would have like kind of this unhinged emotions. Yeah. During our and lady it was something, times. Yeah. It was something that was, <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like, oh, these guys are just like hysterical women that are, you know, mm. it's the time of the month or something like that. Like it, but it was, it was, there was this perception, even that this connotation that these emotions uh, outside of their control, there was something that was like shameful in them mm. to feel those things, even though we're, they're revealing something that's incredibly honest that's going on beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And it's shrouding sometimes those that shame that's associated with showing your emotions, guys. Like, mm-hmm. this is a big thing for men too, showing emotions. So, like, there's a lot of guys that don't feel like they, can, they have permission to show emotions. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It's, it's you're going to show them one way or another. Yeah. Right, it's it's. Are you choosing to show them in a way that's life giving or or not? Mm. And I think I think a good clarification here too is when we say allow our emotions, we are not saying to react to them. Mm-hmm. Which is when you're feeling angry, you punch a hole in the wall or you yell at anyone or whatever. Um. And there is a distinction there. So allowing your emotions can from the outside point of view look very peaceful you are just in it you're just dropping into those neurotransmitters that are moving through your body Mm -hmm. right there what Mm -hmm. i like to do personally is to just kind of drop into it say it say this is um disappointment Say the say the name of it. Not I mean, not everyone needs to do that. Some people like it, some people don't. I like to just say, This is disappointment. This is what disappointment feels like. I invite the Holy Spirit in and I say, Holy Spirit, please come. Please show me what you would like to show me here. And I, I kind of just talk to him about it. The Holy Spirit usually asks me, Where where do you feel it in your body? Um, and disappointment usually feels like a hole, like a, a void kind of in my chest, a little bit above my stomach, but like in, in between my chest and my stomach. And it, it stays still. It doesn't move around. It just kind of feels like a hole and it's like sucking my energy from me. And I tell him this. I'm like, I, I'm, like, and then usually there's a story around it, right? Then, then we start to understand what the beliefs are that led to the emotion of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I tell him about that too. And I kind of just allow him 
to breathe his life on me in those moments. I allow him to speak to me and I allow him to do his work of redemption. But I I am allowing the emotion. I'm not doing it to run from it. And I will tell you this. It's similar to redemptive suffering. When you decide to suffer for somebody, to offer up your suffering, like if you if you are suffering, right? And you decide to offer up your suffering for people, it all of that resistance goes away and almost lessens the pain. It mm-hmm. lessens the suffering. And it's similar to an emotion when you just kind of say you allow it and you say, this is great raw material to bring to prayer, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is like, this is my poverty. This is the poor in spirit. This is me saying like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. And this is so uncomfortable. And I know that you have truth to speak into this void, right? And here's the thing too, folks. Like you could be sitting down with somebody or you can kind of be doing some thought swapping and you can come up with the exact same words that Jesus might speak to your heart. Mm-hmm. The difference, all right? And this is this is going back to, I think, uh, I think it is St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Um, I'm not sure who it is, but I, I, I've been reading a lot of... of uh, the Fulfillment of All Desire, Ralph Martin's book that gets into the mystical doctors of the church. Absolutely incredible. The difference between when God speaks a word and when we speak a word is that God's word comes with the grace that actually transforms us. Mm. He speaks life. He breathes life into the clay and it brings new life. Behold, I make all things new. And so what actually happened, the difference between somebody saying, okay, like, no, Aaron, you're my you're my beloved daughter, and God saying you're my beloved daughter is God actually gives you the grace to believe, to actually believe, to feel, to like say, I kn- not like I know that's true in my head, but yeah, that seems true or that feels really true. Like mm-hmm. I know I believe that with all of who I am. That is a transformation that happens only by grace, mm-hmm. and God's word brings that with it, brings that grace with it always, which is which is why, folks, Scripture is such an amazing, such, I've had so much of my, when I get into my journaling and exercise seven where I'm listening to God's interpretation, oftentimes he'll give me a Scripture verse. And just taking that Scripture verse can, can be transformative. There's yeah. the grace that's attached to it. Yes, and it is, it's God's word. Yeah. Right? Awesome, Do you awesome. have an example of that in your own life? Well, I mean, it's it's the example that I've come to quite often, and I carried a lot of concern about finances mm-hmm. in the past, and and when the Lord spoke, I think it was Matthew. Gosh, I can't remember now, but it's Matthew eleven, I think. Uh, but it was, who amongst you, if uh, their child asked for bread, would give them a stone, or if they asked for a fish, they'd give them a mm-hmm. scorpion. If you were evil, know how to get good things to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And that, like, for those who ask Him, there was something that was just like, wow, like, I just, all I need to do is ask. You see, in my, in my, in my fear, uh, my financial fear in this case, I wasn't even asking God for the grace to just trust Him. Mm-hmm. I wasn't asking. I was like, it was all self-reliance is where I was going at that point. But here, it was just like the Lord was just t- reorienting me and turning me to, to Him, to trust in Him. And, 
regardless of my circumstances. And that certainly was not the first time you've heard that scripture. No. But for no. some reason, it just it it stuck. Yeah, it hit. It hit. Yep, that happens I th- too. I think, yeah. and, and perhaps it hit, folks, because I acknowledged and I really deliberately presented a poverty to God. And he was just like, okay, now that the, I see this is. open bucket, I'm going to put this word of truth mm-hmm. into this bucket that was created for this bucket here. And it's, oof. And that is why I think when we actually allow unpleasant emotions mm-hmm. right in ourselves when we allow them and use that as an opportunity like that is an invitation of the lord drawing us closer to his heart and he wants to fill that area for you he wants to redeem that emotion for you jesus felt emotions he was an emotional guy yeah sometimes immediately folks sometimes this is instant Sometimes it's instant and sometimes it's just, it takes a little bit of us coming back to him, coming back to him, coming back to him and knowing that we can trust him. But to my point before is Jesus was an emotional guy. He experienced emotions of sadness, right? And Mm -hmm. disappointment. And he did it. Rejection. He did it the right way. He did it the redeemed way. So we know through his grace, through actually uniting ourselves to him that there is a redemption to these things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is an opening ourselves up and and experiencing that poverty and just allowing it that's okay that's exactly where you need to be so that's pretty much it folks that's that's quite a bit that we've got for emotions today yeah so i hope you're feeling your emotions yeah and don't just go home and be like to your wife is like, I want, I have permission to feel my emotions now and I'm angry. That's reacting. Anger is a whole <laughs> nother emotion that actually has some special considerations for it. Yes. Thomas Aquinas actually breaks it out separately. That'd be a good little podcast to talk specifically on anger. Yeah. Because that's a special one. It is. But, but thank you so much, your folks. Uh, you want to get more in touch with your interior life? Go to metanoiacatholic.com, get the journal, all right? So depending on what you're hearing from this, it should be have our pre-order page up in mid-December of 2020, uh, but metanoiacatholic.com to get the journal. And if you like what you're hearing, please write a review. Beautiful. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. God bless. Hey, folks, thanks so much for being with us. If you want to learn more about Metanoia Catholic and how to get coaching with us, Go to metanoiacatholic.com. That's M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A catholic.com. Thanks so much for listening.